Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. So my second book, Clever Girl Finance, Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money, comes out on October 20th. And so over the next several episodes, I'm going to be sharing interviews of the incredible women I interviewed in the book here on the podcast. You'll hear them talk about their investing strategies right now, given that we're all navigating through a pandemic, as well as their plans to invest for the future. And they'll also be sharing their experiences of getting their finances to where they are today. And so their stories and their journeys will inspire you. So be sure to tune in. If you haven't already ordered a copy of my new book, you can do that everywhere books are sold online and it is available as an ebook, audiobook, and a physical book. You can also purchase it at your local bookstore and if they don't have it, you can request that they order it and you can also request that your local library orders the book as well. Finally, I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you're listening to, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Okay, so let's get into this episode. So today I am really excited to have a super dear friend of mine, Jenny Coombs, here to join me to talk about investing And Jenny and I go way back. I remember you and I did our very first um, finance conference together in North Jersey several years ago. So I'm really excited to have you here to chat with you. And also, um, I interviewed you in my upcoming book, Clever Girl Finance, Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money. And you are just really incredible. So I'm just going to have you introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you do. Thank you so much, Bola. It's so great to see you and to be here. So my name is Jennifer Coombs. Uh, I'm actually an associate professor at the College for Financial Planning. I'm out in Colorado at the moment, and I primarily teach investment related courses, Um, but my more recent accomplishment was developing the chartered SRI counselor designation for financial advisors who are looking to become more experts in sustainable and responsible investing practices. So that's really where I've devoted a lot of my time. Uh, But when I was working with BOLA, I also run uh, an investing blog uh, called gradmoney.org as well, uh, where I try and give new investors tips about um, how to get involved in investing in the first place. Yes, and I love your content and congratulations on the position at the College of Financial Planning. That is so incredible. And so you are a huge gem in my new book. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just want to, you know, ask you some questions from the perspective of a new investor, given your experience and your extensive background with investing What are some key tips for someone, a beginner investor to get started, um, given all the complexities that that currently exist around investing? So for a new investor to get started, it's actually a lot simpler than you would think. Um, I always tell folks to think about what you buy on a day-to-day basis. Uh, If you shop at the same grocery store, if you buy the same brand of shoes, if you fly on the same airline, stay in the same hotels, uh, think about all of the companies that you come in contact with on a day-to-day basis. That's a good place to start, at least to consider it. Um, But you should always have some kind of, of 
a plan really to uh, pursue investments further. It can get pretty complex. And usually that's one of the main reasons that scares new investors away is that they just don't understand everything about it. You don't have to understand everything about it. There's plenty of people that can help you and also plenty of books that exist out there too that uh, can give you the, the pointers that you need to get going. That is so true. And I'm actually teaching my kids investing on that concept, like having them think about the things that they like, like, you know, Nike or Mattel or Costco and thinking about, well, as opposed to just being a consumer, can I also be an owner? And I think that's a really simple and straightforward approach for a beginner investor to start thinking about how do I get into investing? And then from there, looking into like, you know, index funds and other types of investment classes. But I think what you said is so perfect, like starting simply and you don't have to know it all, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, considered it myself because of how often I eat at Chipotle for lunch, you know, and I figure if I have this many meals over the course of my life, I might as well take advantage of the fact that I'm eating there so much. (laughs) And become an owner, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So Jenny, what do you think about niche um, investments right now? So um, individual stocks, right? That's not a niche, but you know, what do you think about individual stocks and then more niche investments like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, et cetera? What are your thoughts on that, especially for new investors? So for new investors or really any investor, I would say if you don't understand the investment, don't invest in it. Uh, unless you can reasonably understand exactly what the purpose of the investment is. This is how a lot of people got in trouble in 2008, 2009 Mm. was because they just simply didn't understand the long-term implications and the risks associated with some of these investments. So the more complex they get, uh, the riskier they are. Um, And things like cryptocurrencies, certainly um, if you're, you know, a tech analyst or a computer scientist, perhaps you do understand those a little bit better than the lay people. And those really are the ones who are investing in those. But just because the market is jumping on the bandwagon doesn't mean you need to as well, because it can lead to a lot of problems as we've obviously seen in the past. So the advice I have for niche investments is don't invest unless you understand it. I would agree. And, you know, recently I've seen a lot of the, you know, trendy hot stocks, uh, hot investments, uh, you know, like I'm not going to name names, but, you know, in those niches that people are kind of running towards, especially when they saw the nosedive the stock market took a couple months ago. And as people start to think about, okay, what does the economy have in have in stock for us, given everything that's going on, people are starting to get in on, get on top of all these different hot stocks. I'm like, wait a minute, right? You're seeing this trending, Everyone's buying into it, but do you and the other person that's buying this have the same plan? Do you have the same objectives? Do you have the same risk tolerance? Do you have the same understanding of the stock you're about to invest in? Because if you don't, you might as well keep your money because that's when investing becomes gambling, when you don't know what you're putting your money into and you haven't done any research, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's really the history of the stock market in a nutshell. If you think about uh, <laughs> the uh, the Dutch way back hundreds of years ago were trading tulip bulbs and trying to give all these, they were selling houses to buy a tulip bulb. And we think that's crazy today. But at the time, that was like the trendy thing to get on. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know, after a while, people started to realize, hang on, these are just plants. They're going to die. I'm going to lose my house. <laughs> right. You know, a, a, a house has a lot more intrinsic value than a, than a tulip bulb. So, you know, this is, it's crazy to think that we haven't really learned that much. This is really human behavior. And, uh, and to, the only way to counteract human behavior like that is to step back, understand it, and then act in a more rational manner. Yeah, being objective. So many people make decisions on emotion, on what friends or family are telling them, on the perceived success, investment success of other people without really knowing the true details. Um, And like you said, stepping back, being objective, knowing your objectives, knowing your risk tolerance, getting an understanding of how it works and what the investment means are so critical to building that foundation so that you don't lose your money you know, and feel like, oh my God, this was a huge gamble. I hate investing, such a bad idea, which is what a lot of people think today. Yeah, absolutely. They do get discouraged and it's, and it's unfortunate too that that's how many will get scared away from the stock market. And uh, in 2008, 2009, there were a lot of people that ran away and unfortunately didn't come back when there was this, you know, recovery over those, that period of time because they were so scared. So. Uh, just understand that there's ebbs and flows to it. It doesn't stay down forever. I mean, even this year as well with uh, items related to COVID, I had friends who were, you know, asking if they should get out and stay out. And I said, no, just leave it alone. It'll be okay. It takes time, but it'll be okay. (laughs) Exactly. And so Jenny, what would you say is the number one consideration that a new investor should consider (laughs) when they think about investing. And then I'm going to add on a second question to that is, okay, so let's say I've been investing, right? And the stock is just not doing well. The investment is just not doing well. When do I let go of this losing stock? Mm. Good questions. <laughs> so the first one, uh, considerations. Um, obviously, what we had talked about before with um, making sure that you own companies that you shop at or buy their brands or use their companies. But another consideration too, and that's kind of going into the work that I do, is uh, related to corporate ethics, corporate responsibility. Is this company an ethical company? And it may very well be, you know, generating out profits for investors in the near term, but, you know, will it still be around 20, 30 years from now? Do they have enough of a structure in place that they're not going to scare investors away for good or customers for that matter, because they're just not looking at the nature of their business and seeing that it's going to withstand this test, the test of time. So it's not just sustainability as it relates to the environment or to uh, societal issues. It's really the survivability, the sustainability of that company itself. And in relation to letting go of a failing stock, this can get tricky. Um, and it can be painful, right? But you got to know when to cut your losses. <laughs> yes, it's true. And and some and in some cases, I've had to do the same thing. Uh, you know, when when all signs are pointing to this thing is just not coming back. Um, you got to think about, again, the long-term implications as well for some of these businesses. Uh, for instance, if someone had a large exposure to things like department stores, these we just see are on the way down. And 
it's it's unfortunate because they've been around for in some cases over a hundred years. But what what can they do to keep their business alive? If it's looking like that just is not going to be the case, your money would be better allocated somewhere else, somewhere where they're looking a little bit. Uh, a little bit forward thinking. For some investors, they will put in things like stop losses when they buy an investment, just so they have kind of a, a, a floor, I guess, if you will, of the minimum price that they'll accept in terms of losses. Usually it's, I don't know, 10 to 20%, let's say, of downside for an investment, because usually that's not going to impact it that much in the fluxes of the market. But if it's really heading downwards, yeah, you got to let it go. It's painful, I know, but understand that in the grand scheme of things, it tends to balance out. Uh, so long as you have a slightly higher percentage of winners than losers, you're going to make money. Exactly. Like having that good diversification that can absorb those losses is so important. So people may be buying individual stocks, people may be buying niche investments, um, but you want to make sure that you're still broadly diversified so that if those individual stocks or those niche investments take a turn for the worse, you still have that diversification that can absorb some of those losses. And I wanted to bring it back to what you said about, you know, corporate responsibility and socially responsible investing. And I think that's something that's so key, especially given this day and age that we live in. And, you know, for anyone who's about socially responsible investing, you can invest in companies um, that align with your values, that align with what you believe in. And, you know, we are, we are getting into this space with the investment world where you don't have to give your money to companies that just don't align with you. So that's something that you really want to consider, especially if you have causes and, you know, campaigns that are really, really mean meaningful to you that you want to support. Yeah, absolutely. And, and companies like to adhere to the whims of shareholders as well. So as a part owner, which effectively you are, if you own a stock in a company, you have a voice. And to use that voice. Um, make sure that you're holding the company accountable for their actions. Um, if they're doing something that might be controversial or detrimental to society, think about those things. Uh, the more we can think about this in a broader scope, it helps to actually make the market a lot more efficient uh, so that we don't end up in all of this crazy volatility. I'm, I'm sure you've seen actually the uh, environmental social governance ESG uh, portfolios over the course of the past year during COVID that when it comes from a, a risk perspective, they actually were quite stable relative to some of the yeah. major indexes. And that's simply because they've, they've balanced out risk factors that we otherwise wouldn't think about, um, or rather that aren't typically used when looking at a broader index. So Exactly. Yeah. And because of because of their socially responsible aspect, they're not primarily or totally focused on just profits. You know, they're focused on staying socially responsible um, and all those other pieces as well. I've gotten a number of questions from people in the Clever Wealth Finance audience about, you know, socially responsible investing. And there are index funds um, and other types of funds that have aggregated um, these types of companies that you can invest in as well. Yes, absolutely. And one thing I will say uh, when going through those types of funds, too, is to more so than other mutual funds, take a look at the prospectus, the prospectus being the summary of um, information relating to the fund. They're, they're publicly available, so you don't have to be a shareholder to access it. Uh, but look in there to see exactly what the company's uh, 
are doing or rather what the mutual fund's mission is. In some cases, they have goals, namely impact goals, tied to things that were derived from the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and they outline in there exactly what they're doing to uh, eliminate poverty, uh, help with cleaning the oceans, um, and they'll tie their missions of their mutual funds back to those, um, not just for investments relating to financial performance, but also their impact broadly speaking, on the environment and society, which is which is wonderful to see. Yeah. So, Danny, that is really, really great um, advice in terms of looking at the prospectus. Like you said, it's available online. You just have to Google the company or Google the fund you're interested in, and you'll likely find it on the very first page of your search. And you can just spend, you know, a half hour, an hour just reading through it and seeing how they're investing um, your money, what impact they want to make and things like that. So if you're thinking about socially responsible investing, just head on over to Google. <laughs> Do some research of a few companies that you like. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for taking time out to be in my new book, Clever Girl Finance, Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money, and to share your insights here with the Clever Girl Finance community. Um, I always love talking with you. I always love collaborating with you. You are so amazing, and I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much, Paula. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Before I let you go, though, you have to tell everyone where to find you. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, so if you'd like to uh, revisit my blog, it's uh, gradmoney, like grad, like graduate, uh, .org. Uh, you can also find me uh, through the College for Financial Planning. I also um, have uh, a few other <laughs> things, projects I've worked on over the years. Um, I've given two TED Talks, actually, on sustainable investing, which you can yeah. just... How did I forget to mention that? Oh, We're going to be putting those links in the show notes. <laughs> Jenny is a TED Talk speaker two times. Amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, if you search for me in YouTube, you can find them well. But I'm sure Bola will provide you. We'll put the link. We'll make so. it easy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of gives you a sense of, um, of uh, for new investors looking to become involved in the sustainable investing space, how they would go about doing so. Um, and uh, yeah, you can you can find me all over the place. I could even you know give you my LinkedIn address too, and you can look me up there. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay. And finally, finally, Jenny, what is your clever girl superpower? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> This is the hardest question to, <laughs> to find out. Um, what I love actually about investments in general is you are trying to predict the future, which is kind of neat. And in a lot of cases, if you, if you base it off of things like we talked about uh, human behavior and performance of investments, you kind of like have this power to see into the future a little bit, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, so I guess that was kind of the allure of investments as a niche of finance really for me was probably that aspect. So I can see in the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm going to let you go because I know it's a busy day for you, but thank you so much for being here, Jenny. Thank you so much, Bola. So good to see you. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes to leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all of you from the bottom of my heart and I will talk to you on the next episode.